just don't know the Lord. So uh, this morning we're moving into this uh, section or we're coming back rather to our study being in uh, the Apostles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And uh, we've spent uh, the best part of a year getting to the end now of chapter 2, but the Lord has been blessing us and we're grateful for all that uh, uh, we have learned. Now today, the subject that we're going to be talking about and looking at from the Scriptures is, does church membership really matter? Now this is a subject which immediately some people will be getting sort of hackles up and becoming concerned about it because uh, church membership, there are lots of different views and opinions that we uh, discover are existing. In the old days, um, and by that I'm talking about sort of uh, 40, 50 years ago, people were members of churches. There were no questions asked. There was no funny things being said, uh, different attitudes being presented around. Uh, People knew exactly where they stood depending on the denomination or the uh, church that they attended. Now, lots of things have changed. Some of them perhaps are good thoughts and others are a concern. One of the things that we see in society today is this, people don't want to be committed to anything. They don't want to be held responsible for something that perhaps is taking place. And to avoid responsibility, where you don't put yourself forward, you don't put yourself in that position of taking any responsibility. And that's generally an attitude which uh, the world seems to have. Young people don't like responsibility. Hands up if you like responsibility, young people. No, you're not going to put your hands up because generally speaking, it's not what we tend to go for. But when it comes to the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a problem. And the problem exists in the fact that as you read the Scriptures, as you look at the New Testament, and you see what the Scriptures have to say about the Church of the Lord Jesus, we discover that commitment is very, very important. There is a requirement upon us to be involved and to be committed in the Church. So essentially, we discover that... uh, there are uh, difficulties that uh, have begun to be presented. Now, Romans 12 and verse 5 uh, simply says this, So we, being many, that's an important uh, statement there, the, uh, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So this verse is explaining to us that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course that is all those who know and love the Lord Jesus, we are brought into the body of Christ. Christ lives within us. Many scriptures explain this very graphically. Uh, There's that lovely one of rough stones. Uh, If you go to England or if you've been to England, you know that many houses, particularly in the southwest of England or up in the north of England, are built from just rocks that they hacked out of the ground. And uh, and it was all higgledy-piggledy, but somehow all those rocks were brought together and they made a wall. And I always say to myself, what a beautiful picture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because some of us, yes, we're different shapes. Some of us are very different character-wise. Some of us, perhaps our priorities are are, are different in in some respects. But we discover that in the Lord Jesus Christ, each of us are brought together and a beautiful edifice, a building, is presented uh, because we are built up in Christ. And of course, the cornerstone, the stone that holds all of this building together is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So the body uh, of Christ is composed of all true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just stop there for a moment and ask you the question, do you feel a bit left out? Do you feel not part of the fellowship that we have here? Do you feel a little bit sort of to one side? Well, it could well be that the place you've got to start and to look at your life is 
Have you come to faith in Jesus? Do you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior? Once we do that, once that wonderful work, that transformation has taken place in our hearts and lives, then we will discover all of a sudden that we fit in. All of a sudden we discover that we have a commonality with other people in the church and we're able to work together. As believers, we have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation 20 verse 12. So is the requirement for local church membership important or even valid? What the verse is saying here is that surely the priority is have we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what the priority of membership in the sense of the body of Christ is all about. But of course, people then will say, well, I'm a member of the body of Christ, therefore, I don't have to become a, if you like, formal member of a local church. So that's the way the argument goes, and we discover that this is the way that uh, many people think today. Churches and denominations vary greatly on the subject of church membership. And if we were to go around and talk to people here as to what being a member of a church uh, meant or what was required or what took place for that to happen, then I think we'd probably come up with many different answers to that particular question. And as I stand here this morning, I'm not afraid to face those uh, different comments and different ideas and understandings. Because what I've always said and what we as a fellowship here always try to do is to come back and look at what the scriptures actually say and to determine what the Lord would say to us. So some, of course, are very vociferous about membership and uh, are very concerned about the details. Uh, most of the mainstream in fact, probably all of the mainstream denominations that we know, such as Anglicanism, Catholicism, and most Reformed denominations, all hold rigidly to membership structures. There's a clear understanding as to who's in and who's out. Now, when we come to look at the Scriptures, we'll discover that there is actually a clear understanding about who's in and who's out, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But I think the problem that we face now is that people are putting this idea of membership above what we've just looked back at that previous verse from Romans that says, if you are in Christ, then you are part of this wonderful building which is known as the church because we're built living stones together and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. So you can't turn it on its head and say, oh, I'm a member of the church. I'm a good Anglican. Um, I'm a good Catholic. Uh, I'm a good Reformed um, member. Okay, because it's our membership in the church isn't going to save us. The fact that your name is on a piece of paper or a computer system somewhere doesn't mean that you're right with God. And the problem that we see today is that there are churches now that are falling over and falling apart because the people that are running them are not saved. So instead of being a living organism, the church that they're a part of has become an organization. And yes, it will last for a while because organizationally it is well run. It's structured. People know what they are supposed to do. But the problem is, is relating what they're supposed to do to what they need to do in terms of their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say to everybody this morning that we approach this from the inside outward. It comes to where our heart is. It comes to how and where we stand before God. So if we just talk a bit more about this, uh, they have these structures. Almost without exception, it begins with christening or infant baptism. 
you begin your journey as a baptized member. You are baptized into the church. Now, the problem with that statement is that it's not in the scriptures. It also, when you think about it logically, it has some, uh, some serious issues uh, regarding commitment and so on. So coming from the UK, and I guess I won't ask for a show of hands, but I did get up early and I did watch the coronation of the king because I wanted to see what, would, what was going to take place. I wanted to see what oath he would make. And uh, within a few moments of the service itself starting, the moderator of the Church of Scotland came up to Charles as he sat. Uh, in fact, he was kneeling um, um, at uh, the, the seat where, uh, where the whole service began. And the moderator was carrying a, a Bible about that size, the biggest King James you've ever seen, okay, rival anybody. And he carries it in and he places it in front of Charles. And then he says this, sir, this book is the most valuable thing in all of the world. And then he exhorts the king to read it. He exhorts the king to learn from it because it will enable him to rule justly and with mercy and with graciousness. Now, whether he's going to read it is another matter, and we need to pray that he will. But those words, this is the most valuable thing in all of the world, was an encouragement to me because it is. God's word is the most valuable thing in all of the world. So what we do is we come back and we look at the fact that it is our salvation that brings us into the membership of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now other churches have a much less formal membership structure in place. Uh, this is... Um, there is officially no denomination, for example, called the Baptist denomination. Uh, Baptists are a strange group of people in many respects because we have churches all over the world that are called Baptist churches, and they are. I think every country in the world you will find a Baptist church. But there's no structure above it. Each church essentially is independent. It's able to make its own uh, choices and decisions, of course, under God. And this church is a good example. Um, we uh, have the elders and the deacons, uh, and under God, the responsibility for um, the, the running of this church comes down to this group of people. Let's wait for the truck to go by. We don't have an overarching structure that enables us or tells us what to do, and we are dependent upon our relationship with God we're dependent upon our understanding of his word. We're dependent upon our reading and applying the word of God in all that takes place and happens. So Baptist churches are not a denomination when you hear that uh, term being used. Uh, we're, we don't have that structure. Each church is independent under God. We look to God and to his word for our leadership. So now we come on to the fact that as a fellowship here, we have what we call our formal membership. I don't really like the word formal, but it's the only word I can think of to describe it. And the question that we're just mulling over this morning, and I'm very conscious that there are people that will not agree, and I, I understand that. There are others that feel that uh, perhaps we should make it stronger and so on. But essentially the question that we're looking at is, is there a place for a formal membership within uh, this church and in the church structure that um, we're familiar with? What does the Bible actually say about church membership? Now, at this point, um, if you put your hand up and say, the Bible says nothing about church membership, well, basically, you're right. 
Except I don't think that it's entirely fair to say that, particularly in view of the verses that we have read this morning from Acts chapter 2. And of course, many other verses that we'll look at very, very briefly. And uh, this will only be just a cursory understanding of the subject of church membership. It's much bigger, but I think it's important that we just go through the basics today. And today, of course, we have Lord's Supper, breaking of bread. And uh, we are going to uh, welcome some folks into church membership here in our fellowship, those who were baptized a little while ago. But when it comes to what does the Bible say, well, the Bible doesn't say this is what you should do in terms of, of, of all the final detail. But there are some very clear principles that we can see and we can understand. So as I say, truthfully, the Bible does not address directly the concept of formal church membership. However, there are several passages that strongly imply its existence in the early church, and our studies in Acts bring us today to chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2. Now, verse 47 of Acts chapter 2 states, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, that verse uh, clearly indicates that salvation, and this goes back to the point I was making earlier, that salvation was a prerequisite for being added to the church. You can't be in the church if you're not saved. Now, if you're in a situation and you've been to a church where you discover that there are people that are not saved, perhaps from the pastor down, it's an interesting situation. Uh, a man was uh, here in this community uh, not uh, uh, maybe two years ago. Um, his name was Jabez Rutter. Now, that's an interesting name for you, isn't it? So Jabez from, uh, from the Bible, and Rutter is an English name, and he had come over from um, the UK, and he'd been invited to speak at a church. I won't give any more details than that. And I heard that he was from the UK, and I decided to go along because it's always good to, to meet with a fellow countryman and to hear someone who was coming to preach. So I settled down into the seat, and uh, um, the minute he stood up, I, I just could tell he was English. It was, I, I feel sorry for you guys, I really do. And he stood up, and he preached the gospel very, very powerfully, very, very clearly. Uh, he used a number of examples which only an Englishman could ever understand, but it was, uh, it was, he talked about waiting at a bus stop, and I thought, how many Canadians wait at bus stops in Norwich? Not that many. And uh, he preached a very, very powerful gospel message. There were about 60 people, many young, uh, many young people there. And at the end of the service, uh, uh, the young men rushed out for a cigarette, <laughs> And uh, I waited until I was basically the last person to leave. And I went up and I shook his hand. And I explained who I was. And I just I said to him, I said, Jabez, I want to say thank you. The message was tremendous. And if you're here again, would you come and speak at the Baptist Church in Norwich? And he has agreed that if he's here, if he's invited again, he would gladly do that. And then he leaned forward and he said to me, Sim, I have never in my life been to a church where nobody has confessed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was fascinated by it. Now, it wasn't particularly of a shock for me, but it was fascinating. And he, he said, it's incredible how organizations function. But we're not an organization. We're an organism, a living organism. 
made up of living people to take your pulse for the moment you're alive and God's living in you and the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you and together that's what makes us strong and so one of the important things about fellowship and the important thing about being part of a local body a local church such as us here today is the fact that we are able to support each other we gain strength in the numbers that we have And we're able to see great things happen as God works in us as a group of people. So verse 47 says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So membership of your church has to begin with salvation. Then we go on to verse 41 or back to verse 41. And it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now you could just simply read these verses and not join them together and not think about what is actually being said. Or you can take what the scriptures actually say and read them in the context that we have here. Because it seems that somebody was keeping a numerical record of those who were saved and thus joining the church. So there was order And one of the imperatives that we discover in the New Testament is that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has order, but that order doesn't crush the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the individuals who make up the fellowship. So we have to understand that we come and we meet together and we worship and we have fellowship, not because we're told to, but because we want to, not because it's written down in some order of service somewhere, but because we recognize the power and the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Now, we've discussed it before, but I remind you again that it is not only the words of Scripture that are important, but it is also the order of the words of Scripture. And, of course, a great example of that is repent and be baptized. Uh, We see here the order is important, that, um, uh, that those who are being saved were brought into the church. Churches today that require evidence of salvation before membership, I'm simply going to say to you, are following the biblical model. That, that's, that's what the Bible says. Let's just read uh, Corinthians um, 2, verses uh, 14 to 18. Now, we read these in relationship to marriage uh, last week, the week before, and relationships as well. But you see, these words are applicable to every aspect of the Christian life. And so we read, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? These words are incredibly practical. They're not difficult to understand. And what uh, communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now we need to understand what's going on here very, very carefully. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be as a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So this helps us to again understand the fact that the church in its nucleus has to be guarded 
against those that will come in from the outside. They're not believers, but they want to try and bring down the work of the gospel. And so that's why we have to be careful and make sure that those that are brought into the inner nucleus of the church are those who are saved, those who have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, those whose sin has been dealt with, and those in which the Holy Spirit lives. There are a number of other places in the New Testament that show the local church as a well-defined group of believers. And uh, as I said, if you come to reading the New Testament particularly, you discover that these letters are written to different churches. You can see the Apostle Paul as he has founded churches. There is structure that takes place. There are sections that talk about elders and deacons. Who are these elders and deacons part of? They're part of a local group of believers. Um, are they elders and deacons to the entire world? Well, in that sense, no, because they are there to shepherd the local flock the local believers. So Acts uh, 6 and verse 3, it's a story or an account rather that we know of very well, the account of Stephen. Stephen was a, a godly man. He was martyred, but he was doing all that he could to see the church grow. And verse 3 says, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, which was looking at the distribution of food and looking after widows and orphans. So here in the church in Jerusalem, it's told to hold some kind of election or process of choosing people from within the fellowship to uh, take part in this responsibility. The phrase among you clearly suggests a group of people distinct from others who were not among them. So when we come to looking at uh, a fellowship like this one, for example, we do have a membership uh, um, structure, if you like, in place where those that are believers, and we see clearly that demonstration, those who have been baptized as believers um, in the Lord Jesus Christ by full immersion are welcome to join the fellowship uh, in a perhaps uh, official uh, way or capacity. But that doesn't mean in any sense that we are disregarding or belittling the fact that we, when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus, are brought into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So put simply, the deacons, as uh, Stephen was, and the others that were mentioned, would be church members. They would have been from this group of people, and they know and they knew who they were. Whilst we accept that we are all members of the body of Christ when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus, but this does not in any way negate the responsibility to be involved and to be counted and to be a member of the local church where we can be committed and give our resources and serve others and be accountable. So what we have to understand here, and I've said this before, and I mean it, I stand by it, is that we don't come to church. We have to belong to the church. We have to be part of the church. And the way of being able to do this is by being members of the church. Now, uh, why would some people decide that they're not going to be members of the church? Well, I suppose there are some theological issues that they might be concerned about. Um, our doctrinal basis of faith is pretty straightforward, but it is uh, what you would describe as conservatively evangelical. Um, but I don't think there's any major 
issues that uh, one would struggle with in in, uh, in 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 if you were to to read it through carefully. So uh, there may be some issues like that. There could be other issues that I'm afraid that if I become a member of this church, they'll ask me to do something. Well, that is a fear that you can have because the reality is is that we are to be part of a church, which means building each other up. It means strengthening each other. It means looking after each other. When there is somebody who is struggling, we gather around and we support them and we encourage them and we look after them. It means looking after the young people in our fellowship. You might be saying, well, you know, they're not my children, but you still have a responsibility toward them. You need to live a life that will be an encouragement for them and not be the person who, when your, your son or daughter comes home and says, so-and-so was nasty to me or was unkind to me. And so we recognize that how we interact and how we look after each other is important, and we see that. There are other reasons that uh, we could talk about baptism. As a Baptist church, we believe very strongly that um, uh, believers' baptism is, is biblical, and believers' baptism by full immersion is biblical, and therefore that's the requirement uh, that we have, or one of the requirements that we have um, for membership uh, here. The local church can be described as a microcosm of the universal church. So if I go to China or I go to a country in Africa, Malawi or somewhere like that, or uh, who's been to Panama recently? Yes, there's a guy back there. When you go down to a different country, all of a sudden you have fellowship with people. Now, they're not from your church, but our bond in Christ is so strong we can actually have fellowship without speaking the same language. <laughs> we can have fellowship without, without all the trappings that the world seems to accept and desire because we are one in the Lord Jesus. So why is church membership important in the local uh, church? Well, firstly, it helps to define the pastor and the elder's responsibility. Now, there are a number of verses that would support this and help us to understand that. Um, in my position here as the pastor and the elders of this church and the deacons here, uh, God has brought us together. But, you know, we need to know who we're here to serve. We need to know who makes up the flock, if you like, of this fellowship. And there's a verse in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, but a number of other verses that we could look at. Uh, again, one of the perhaps uh, difficulties that people have is they don't want to be involved in church membership because they might then have to face discipline if they do something different or wrong or if they do something which is uh, unbiblical. And uh, one of the verses here, verse, uh, uh, um, chapter 13 of Hebrews, verse 17, says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Now, some people might, you know, bulk at the word obey, but there's no reason to bulk at the word obey because the whole context of this particular verse puts the emphasis on the responsibility that the leaders have before God. And so we see very clearly that this verse is very powerful for all of us. Whom will the pastor or the elders give an account for? except for the members of his own church or their own church. A pastor is not responsible for all the Christians in the world. Norwich Baptist Church is more than enough 
for me. We are to care for those who have been placed under our care. A pastor is not responsible for all the people in his community, only for believers under his leadership, his church members. So membership in a local church is a way of voluntarily placing oneself under spiritual authority of a pastor and the elders, which is thoroughly biblical as we look at the scriptures. And so the second point, and we're only looking at two, is that church membership is important because without it, there can be no accountability or church discipline. So 1 Corinthians 5 verses 1 to 3 teaches a church how to deal with blatant, unrepentant sin in its midst. And when we read, uh, come to verses 12 and 13, the words inside and outside, and I mentioned those right back at the beginning, are used in reference to the church body. We are only to judge those who are inside the church. In other words, church members. How can we know who's inside or outside the church without an official membership role? I think that's something that we see and understand very clearly, that we need to know who is inside the church. And of course, our Lord Jesus in Matthew 18, a very, very um, powerful passage when we have conflict within the church. Our Lord says, you know, if you've got a problem with someone, you go and talk to them personally first. That's the important thing to do. And then if they don't listen or they reject what you have to say, then take a couple of other people with you because it's always good to have someone else. And then the scriptures explain, or our Lord says, and if he refuses to hear them that you've taken, tell it to the church. So there's this group of people that we then are able to go to, which is known as the church. So to conclude, although there is no scriptural mandate for official church membership as such, there is certainly nothing to prohibit it. Uh, and it seems that the early church was structured because as you read the scriptures very clearly, you can see and you can sense and you can feel uh, that there was an understanding as to who were involved in the leadership of the church. And the scriptures refer very clearly to the position or the office of pastor and to elders and to deacons. And oh, I just mentioned administrators too. Where would the church be without an administrator? So if, uh, if there is anybody who would like to see Adrian, he's got the um, application and the job description for uh, our administration uh, job that we're looking for. And uh, we've been praying about this and we do feel we need some help. So if you believe the Lord has given you the gift of administration, then you need to go and see Adrian because we need some help. Um, church membership is a statement of solidarity and like-mindedness. That's important too. And I'd like to add at this particular point that the society in which we live, it's getting harder because all of a sudden the church is being the target of people in a way that it's never been before. And we suddenly find ourselves having to face um, the way the law is being structured. And we see that we can't talk to some people about certain issues, even though they want to talk to us about them. It gets hard. The law says that. And so we need to understand that within the structure of the local church there are times when we need to know who it is that is reliable and can be counted upon that we can have votes for things like pastors and for elders and for deacons and so on church membership is valuable for organizational purposes it's a good practical way of determining who is allowed to vote on these things church membership is not required of christians it is simply a way of saying i am a christian I'm saved. 
And I believe that this church is a good church and God can use me in this church. And so if you're here this morning and you're not a member of our fellowship, I'd like to ask you to consider and to be prayerful about becoming a member. We need more folks to be able to step in and to help and to run things. Um, relatively speaking, our membership is still quite small uh, for the size of fellowship that we are. But I pray that you would uh, seek the Lord and ask his uh, guidance.